Ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. It is my duty to inform or remind you that we are at war. Anyone that has been fighting for Irene over the past few days and weeks, or are the others that we're praying for with infirmities from the <clears throat> revived church family of cancer and other diseases and infirmities, you're well aware that we are at war. We are at war. And uh, being at war means we have to fight and we have to believe and we have to stand on God's word and we have to be the people that are the channels through which God pushes back the forces of darkness that are trying to encroach not only on the planet or on communities, but on churches too. Satan knows he's at war. We should know also that we are at war with Satan. Yeah? And so that's really where I'm starting this morning to remind us that we are at war. And I want to talk to you a little bit about strategy for victory this morning. Jared and Chris brought us some strategy and changes and changes of emphasis that really are going to help us to fight, (laughs) to be honest, as we continue this war against the forces of darkness. We need to be better salt and light. We need to be a city set upon a hill, we need to be a special people, we need to have a sense that we are on a mission, yeah? Yeah. Now it's wonderful to hear of Carol and Alan on a mission to remain there. To be honest, that is just a symbol of what we're all on. We're all going to where the need is and bringing the light and life of the gospel to people, whether it's your next door neighbor or halfway around the world, we're on a mission to push back the forces of darkness and repair the damage they're doing. We're at war, okay? We are at war. And um, I want to uh, really talk to you and base my few thoughts on something I was, I was reading, actually. Um, as I was going through my normal reading, and uh, I got to a, a place in 2 Samuel 5, came across the story of David and uh, he had just been recognized and crowned as king of all Israel. For seven years he'd ruled over a couple of tribes in the south, uh, Judah and Benjamin and down there sort of thing from Hebron. But then he was recognized by all the tribes of Israel and the first couple of battles that he fought as king of all Israel, I thought was significant. Do you know what? I saw in them a pattern for the way God has led this church family for about the past decade. He was at war. David had been at war a long time with the Philistines. In fact, from before 
he was born, the Philistines and the Israelites had been at war. So it's a, it's a long war, but those couple of battles had a, a certain ring about them as I read them, okay? They, they were in 2 Samuel 5, but I'm not gonna read them from there because in actual fact, the story's repeated twice. But just to give you a, an idea of the pattern, there were two battles, but the strategy for the two battles was completely different. In the first battle, God said, just go for it. And they all charged in and won a, a battle. But in the second battle, God says, no, I want you to do something completely different. I'm going to change the strategy. And they went, won the second battle. But in those two battles, I see a sort of a pattern that uh, speaks to me of what God has been doing as he's been leading Revived Church for something like the past decade or so since Jared took senior leadership of, of, of this fellowship, you know, that we're, we've always been at war. Yeah. <laughs> we've always been fighting the powers of darkness, yeah. but the fight changes, the battles change, the battles go on and different battles happen, yeah? There's a change of strategy. Anyway, um, what happened is the first battle, they all went for it, okay? And then the, both these battles, by the way, took place in the plain or valley of Rephaim, the valley of the giants. Yeah. <laughs> We're fighting in the valley of the giants, okay? There are strongholds that are giants. And we're the ones who are coming up against them. Anyway, it was in the in Rephaim that the battles took place. In the first one, they routed the Philistines and uh, completely co conquered them. And they all ran away. And, and they ran away in such haste that they dropped all their idols. And, and David just had them collected up and burned. Really a resounding victory. That was the first battle. But the second battle was where they had to do something completely different. Now, I'm going to read the account from 1 Chronicles 14, which is the other account of the same story. And I'm just going to read just a few verses. Because even though they'd been defeated in the first battle, they came back again. You know, you can have a battle, a battle with Satan. You can even win a few uh, battles and skirmishes. But he always comes back, you know. Even if you've had a resounding win like Jesus did when he had been tempted and, uh, and, and Satan was, was defeated in that battle, but it says he left him for a while. Yeah. 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 Satan always, he's, he's not going to give up. He's going to be your enemy till the day you die yeah. and uh, go to heaven and yeah, whatever goes on after that. But at the moment, while we're alive, we're fighters, we're warriors, we're in a war. Anyway, let me read it. I'm just prevaricating. This is the Good News Bible, by the way. 1 Chronicles 14, 13. Soon, the Philistines returned to the valley and started plundering it again, just like Satan. Once more, David consulted God, who answered, don't attack them from here, but go around and get ready to attack from the other side near the balsam trees. When you hear the sound of marching in the treetops, then attack because I will be marching on ahead of you to defeat the Philistines. David did what God had commanded and he drove the Philistines back. See the change of strategy from the, the free for all of the first battle. And now they had to do a, a circuit. They had to creep in. They had to, they had to go among the trees. I'll tell you about that in a minute. David did what God had commanded and he drove the Philistines back from Gibeon, the heights of Gibeon, all the way to Gaza, the precipice of Gaza. And David's fame spread everywhere 
and the Lord made every nation afraid of him. Now the first battle had had a, a resounding victory and they burnt the idols. But the second battle was, the first battle in fact, David gave it a name and the place of name, he called it Baal Perizim, Perizim which means the God of breakthrough, the master of breakthrough. We'd have a breakthrough. This is his first big battle and he's won it and it's a breakthrough, okay? And so the first battle was a breakthrough, but the second battle made David's name among the nations, okay? An even more resounding victory because the sound of it went out and all the nations became afraid of David. He, he was established now and recognized as a king that God was backing and who would get victories. And so the Lord made every nation afraid of him. Now I want to take another look at verses 14 and 15 in different versions because you see, I'm interested in those trees. Yeah? It says, come around among the balsam trees. Okay, that's in that version, good news. Different versions have different trees. The old King James, I remember very well because we had a chorus when I was a teenager, all right? It was mulberry trees, yeah. didn't it? Do you remember that? Yeah. And we used to sing the chorus. The movie's on, oh Lord, the movie's on. I hear the sound of a going in the mulberry trees and I know, I know, I know the movie's on. Yeah, so that's how we used to express it all those years back because the old King James called them mulberry trees. The good news calls them balsam trees. Some translations call them aspen trees. Some translations call them spice trees. Some translations even call them pear trees. But let me read from the modern King James and find out what they call these strange trees. This is modern King James, the same verses from Chronicles. David asked again of God, and God said to him, don't go after them, turn away from them, and come round on them by way of the weeping trees. All right? The, the, the original word is baka. It's the same word for uh, when they, they go through the, the valley of weeping, the valley of baka, they make it a well. It's that word for the trees. These bakaim or or balsam trees were not just one species, but they were all various types of tree, all of which had one characteristic, which is if you cut them, if you gashed them, if you broke a twig, they would weep. The sap would ooze out in a teardrop. Yeah? Perhaps that's why they call them pear trees, because that's the shape of the, the gum, the sap, the resin, as it oozes out of the trees. And they call them balsam trees, that's because they used to make balm, balsam balm from the resin that came from these trees. And so this was not a type of tree, it was, it was a characteristic of the trees in that plain, okay? They were weeping trees, that's the nickname they were given locally as it were, because when you cut them they wept, when you cut them they bled, yeah? And you know, as I often say when I'm speaking, that I love looking at trees in the Bible because trees in the Bible represent people. Yeah? yeah? Psalm 1, the righteous like a tree planted by the rivers of water, yeah? And through the Bible you can see references to people as trees, trees of righteousness in Isaiah. Jesus, 
said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, we're trees. Yeah, and so people are trees. So I believe weeping trees are a picture of hurting humanity. Yeah? People that have been wounded, scarred, and damaged by sin. And God said to David, for this second battle, I want you to go around among the weeping trees. Yeah? Carl and Alan are going to Romania to weeping trees. Need. Yeah? People that have been damaged by sin. Do you know, we're all sin-damaged humanity when we're born. The Bible tells us we're all born damaged. Yeah? Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, born to die. All of us. We're all weeping trees. Not just in the the deprived areas, uh, like you say Orchard Park, Bransholm, Long Hill, Greatfield, Preston. They're all places where we've done outreach and mission because we recognize there are weeping trees there. But to be honest, Kingswood is full of weeping trees too. (laughs) The whole of the city of Hull is full of weeping trees. The whole of East Yorkshire is full of weeping trees. The whole of our nation is full of weeping trees. And our job in the battle is to go by way of the weeping trees, to go where people have needs that God can meet, people who are not yet saved, people that need healing. They're weeping trees. And God said to David, different strategy now. I want you to go among the weeping trees. Yeah? And so David had to skirt around, keep out of sight of the Philistines who had massed again in the Valley of Giants. And by the way, (laughs) these Philistines, David, it wasn't his first battle with Philistines. Did you know when he was a boy, he killed a very big one called Goliath in the Valley of Giants? (laughs) There are weeping trees. Anyway, um, and so they they are creeping around through the... Weeping trees. You know, uh, Jesus told the disciples to go amongst the weeping trees. He said, uh, I want you to go into all the world, which is full of weeping trees, and preach the gospel, and heal the sick, and raise the dead, and cast out demons, and freely give what I give you, to the weeping trees. And then he said something very significant. He says, lo, I am with you in that context until the end of the age. If you go to weeping trees, I'm there with you, okay? And when David's army came in amongst the weeping trees, they waited for a sign from God to show that he was with them in the battle, yeah? And so I wanna talk to you about weeping trees and signs from heaven, because that's what happened. That was the strategy of this second battle. And so, trees are people. The Philistines were the enemy. We have an old enemy. It's Satan and all the forces of darkness. Very ancient enemy, yeah? Now, strangely enough, the word Philistine means immigrant, migrant. What they were, or who they were, is a uh, part of the Egyptian nation that had migrated northwards and taken over the coastal plain. 
of, of Israel. You know, Israel inhabited, or the tribes of Israel were in all the hills, the backbone of hills of Israel. But the coastal plain, the Philistines encroached up along there, not just Gaza, but way up the coast of uh, Palestine, Israel, Canaan, whatever you want to call it. And so they were immigrants, all right? In other words, Israel thought it was all their land, but the Philistines came in and, and fought for it. I want to tell you, there are a lot of immigrants in our land today, but I'm not talking about people. The immigrants I'm talking about, who are the enemy, are the forces of darkness. Why do I call them immigrants? Quick story. Long before Adam and Eve and mankind, there was war in heaven. Yeah. Satan and all his forces, a third of the angels of heaven, fought a battle with the good angels and God's forces and God. And of course they lost. And when they lost, they got thrown out of heaven. And they ended up on planet Earth and promptly trashed it. This is long before Adam and Eve, okay? And so we have chaos reigning where God had created a beautiful planet. Adam and Eve came along. Why? Because God needed somebody to set in place over the recreation, the sorting out of the mess that he had done. They trashed the planet. God in Genesis chapter one, reorganized it and sorted it out so that it's a beautiful creation again. Then he set Adam and Eve over it to keep it all in order, all right? That's why Adam and Eve and the whole human race are at loggerheads and mortal enemies of Satan and all his forces, because all they want to do is kill and steal and destroy, and God wants there to be harmony and peace and fruitfulness and joy, okay? So our enemy, is an immigrant. Why? Because you and I are born here and we belong here. He's not. He's not from here. It's not his homeland. He didn't even want to be here. He's been thrown out of his homeland, heaven. He's an immigrant. He's also a terrorist. But the immigrants and terrorists that we fight are evil spirits and the forces of darkness. You understand that? I'm not saying we're against people who are immigrants. As a matter of fact, just about a week or two ago, uh, we were in the 6.30 a.m. prayer meeting on a Tuesday morning and Dupe brought a very uh, good picture of this situation because we, we were in the midst of that time where there seemed to be all sorts of atrocities and terrorism going on and we were praying about that. And Dupe came along and he said, don't forget, our enemies are not the people. Yeah. They're not the terrorists. Yeah. They're not the extremists. Yeah. They're not the violent people. They are all puppets. They have been manipulated and duped by Satan, who is the master puppeteer, who is behind them pulling the strings. So the one we fight, the one that we curse, the one that we bind is not the puppets, but the puppeteer. We are against Satan. We're against the forces of darkness, not the people who are sucked into his plans and his schemes. Amen? So people are not our enemies. The immigrants that we fight are the forces of evil, the fallen angels, the evil spirits. So we are at war, but not with people, okay? And so David had to go around and reposition himself in the weeping woods. And we have had a 
a strategy change, I think, if you look at it carefully over the past decade or so in the family of Revive Church. Because you see, there has been a, a good time of blessing and of increase of people getting saved and people getting healed. Uh, in fact, you could call the last decade a bit of a breakthrough to go with the battle story of David. A bit of a breakthrough. Why? Well, just, just listen to the things that have been accomplished in the last decade. Um, just now, we're changing strategy. We, we're, we're moving our battle base from Bridlington Avenue to Kingswood. Yeah. But I wanted to tell you, there was a lot of breakthrough in Bridlington Avenue. Yeah, a lot of breakthrough. A lot of break. Listen to this. We saw breakthrough in salvation and healing steadily increasing through the decade. We saw the breaking of the 250 congregation ceiling that we seemed to be bumping against for years. That's right? Yeah. Nearly three times that now. Yeah, breakthrough. We've seen a Christian school established. We've known the presence of God increasing and increasing and still increasing in our worship times. Thank God for the worship bands. Because God is using that to put fight in all of us. Amen? Amen. We've broken into radio. We've broken into television. We've seen increased missions at home and abroad. Short-term missions. Long-term missions. Yeah? Mission and outreach within our city, mission and outreach out from our city. We've yeah. pray- I have personally prayer walked hundreds and hundreds of streets in Orchard Park and Bransholm North and South and Long Hill and Preston Road and Greatfield and right down around the west side as well. We, we have, in fact, we've even prayer walked Bruges across the water. We have gone, that, that's a mission too, you know. When you go out to take land in prayer, walking the land and saying, this Lord belongs to you. We fight the enemy in this area. We've walked down streets and sensed that there's a witch's house there and we prayed again. We've been fighting the enemy for years and have continued to fight with outreach and mission and prayers over the last decade. So there has been breakthrough, but now the strategy is changing. Our battle base has moved up to Kingswood which is also a weeping wood, yeah? yeah? You might say, oh, it's, it's, they're better off people. I want to tell you, every person that doesn't know Jesus as their saviour is a weeping tree. Absolutely. They are sin damaged and they need God. Whatever class of society they come from, whatever their bank balance, they need God. All these yeah. communities are weeping trees. They're weeping yeah. woods, yeah. amen? But God is putting the battle base here. And um, yeah. Why? Why why did God tell David to circle around and come through the trees to engage the second battle, totally different to the first battle? Well, perhaps it was to catch the enemy unawares. Uh, Perhaps it was to teach David's army that God was in charge of the battle or to teach David to be flexible. You know, flexibility and willingness to change and change strategy is a mark of faith. Yeah? yeah it's good. We don't like the word strategy because it sounds like change, and change can be uncomfortable and difficult. And yeah, we'd rather just mooch along in our usual rut, wouldn't we? Yeah. Strategy often means change. Yeah? And uh, the father of all people of faith 
was a person that constantly moved on from one place to another and consciously decided to be a nomad and live in tents when he was rich enough to build a city. Abram. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? He moved on. He lived in tents. It says he lived in tents as an expression of his faith. Yeah? yeah? He, he was willing to have the strategy change whenever God wanted it to. Yeah. Yeah? yeah? So part of our fight, part of our operation as an army of God is to be willing to change and to use a different weapon, relate to each other differently, and so on. And so change is part of strategy. And God... Bless David. And of course, he had this great victory and, and his fame spread everywhere and the Lord made every nation afraid of him. So why did God bring us to Kingswood to bring our battle base here? Does it mean that all we're going to do is concentrate on Kingswood uh, from now on? No, no. In fact, I believe he's brought us here as a symbol that we're not just going to be looking at the city center of Hull or even yet at Hull, but our battlefield is East Yorkshire, the nation and beyond. Yes. It's a battle yes. base. Yeah. It's not a battlefield, it's a battle base from which you fight, fighting in Romania, yeah? Yes. Fighting in Argentina and, and Mexico with Andrew yes. Murray, fighting with Jonathan Conrad, fighting, going out on mission yes. is part of the fight. Yes. Going out on mission is part of the fight. And I just want to say that when you go out on mission, how many here, I have to do this because I can't see against the lights. Put your hand up if you've ever been out on a mission in a team, okay? Well, that's, that's quite a few. You were in a team that went out on mission. Well, you will know, as I know, because I've been out on a uh, mission in team, as that being in a team out on mission is a very, very special experience yeah. where you grow, where you extend your, your abilities, where you learn to relate to people. Going out on mission is, is, is an experience yeah. in God. And I tell you, those people you've been out on mission with, your relationship with them remains different. Yeah. After you've been out on team with them, you've prayed together, you've faced uh, problems together, you've, you've uh, faced challenges together, you've been in different countries maybe and, and you've had to put up with different hardships and things like that. You've done it together. And I believe what uh, Jared and, and Chris were sharing with us last week, how it's important that we see ourselves in our different ministries and groupings as team. Because when we see ourselves as team, it's better for us it's better for the others. It's better for the war. Yes. Fighting in teams is so important. And do you know what? The effect of going through the weeping trees for his army was to divide them up into teams. Because you see, when they all just charged in at once, they could all see each other. They could see David and depend on his vision. For the, for the battle, yeah. So, so that when they were fighting all together, it was just one huge team and you were just a little bit of it. But once they got in amongst the trees, they could only see their immediate companions. All right? They could only just see maybe a pl platoon of the army. And so they had to work as a unit. They had to seek God for themselves. They had to look at the treetops 
to see the signal to get into the battle themselves. Every individual and every team had to serve God for themselves, had to be part of the battle in their particular grouping. And I believe that that, that the strategy God is is giving us of, of, of working in teams of fighting in teams, of praying in teams, of relating together in teams, of working together in teams, of supporting one another in teams, of depending upon one another in teams, is so important for the battle. It will cause us all to fight and not just leave it to the leaders. Amen? Cause us all to fight and not just leave it to the leaders. And so getting into teams is going to be a strengthening strategy for this family of Revive Church. Amen? Amen. And so they all had to look for a sign from heaven for themselves. You know, uh, Jesus said to the disciples when he'd been appearing to them for 40 days after his resurrection, he says, now go and wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And what happened when they received power from on high is that there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind and from then on the church exploded into victory and growth and I believe that uh, actually we're in a bit of a wait now we're waiting to see the building go up aren't we yeah we don't like waiting do we no but Jesus told the disciples wait because there's power coming And I believe that's what God is saying to us as Revived Church. Yes, there's a weight on in one area, but there's going to be a a real outpouring of the power of God and explosive growth in God's timing. God set the timing for the battle. He says, when you hear the tops of the trees rustling, then go forth into battle. Go forth into battle. Yeah. And I want to tell you, I already sense a marching, a moving, a rustling, a going in the tops of the trees. Because the tops of the trees speak to me of the human spirit, the bit that's nearest to God. Yeah? And I believe there is spiritual progress happening, which is showing us that God is in this. You know, we've uh, listened to... uh, Carol and um, Alan about going out to Romania. I I was sitting in someone's house last week and I had goosebumps listening to the stories of of a mission they were on for six months in in an area, uh, a deprived, poor, spiritually dark area of India. And they saw a constant flow of people coming in from miles around getting saved, getting miraculously healed. Not just a few, a constant flow for six months. They were out for 10 months, but six months of it, God just caused it to be so fruitful. And to me, that's the, the rustling in the tops of the trees. That's the sign that God is on the move. And that the stories that come back from people that have gone to Argentina and Mexico and, 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 and Jared coming back from some of his, his missions as he goes out preaching, and, and also the people that are being healed in our meetings, in our worship, in our fellowship. I want to tell you, God's on the move. God's on the move. And I believe that we are in a, a time when we should get used to being fighters, warriors, soldiers that fight together. 
What do the squaddies do? They back each other up. They watch each other's backs. That's the army, isn't it? Yeah, you're in a small group and that small group really knits together and fights together. God wants us to be in small groups that really knit together and fight together, pray together, work together, move together. It's a time for team, folks. We're at war. We've always been at war. We know what the fight's all about. But it's time to fight in team. It's time to pull our weight. We don't need to be passengers. We need to be crew. You know, passengers are those that sit back and applaud the vision. Crew are those that step in and serve the vision. We need to be crew, not passengers. Yeah? Because we're at war. We need to be fighting in the war. Yeah. And so that's really what I wanted to say to the, to the church. We're at war. Let's get plugged into a team. Let's get plugged in. But then it occurs to me there may be someone here that this is all double Dutch to you because you don't know what it is to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're not fighting the war, you're just not in it at all really because you don't know Jesus. Those that fight the war are those that relate to the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they have, they've accepted him, received him into their lives. He lives through them and in them. And if that hasn't happened to you yet, you might have looked around and, and seen a bit of a, uh, a sign in a sense that you looked around and seen all sorts of people so enthusiastic and enjoying the presence of God so much, enjoying the worship, enjoying being together as Christians, enjoying being in the family of God. And you thought, oh, yeah, yeah. I can see they, they really enjoy this. When I tell you, you can enjoy what they're enjoying. You can have what they've got. You can be fighting in the war they're fighting in and seeing victory and seeing excitement and seeing adventure because that's what the war's all about. Yeah? It's about winning. It's about winning. We want to win the battle for Irene. It's about winning. The war is about winning. And so... If you have not yet asked Jesus to come into your life, we're just going to pray now together. We'll all pray a prayer, but it's a prayer asking Jesus to come in and be the captain of the army for me, to be my boss in the army, to be my saviour, to give me the gift of eternal life, to give me the power to be able to function in a war I didn't know, even know existed until now, <laughs> to be part of it. Part of the company that's going on to victory with Jesus, who has already won the main battle. We're just mopping up now on planet Earth because Jesus has beaten Satan conclusively already. Yes. But Satan is still trying to have a go at you and have a go at humanity who are weeping trees. Yeah, You can be part of the war and see Jesus doing things in your life. Let's stand. I'm just going to uh, read a prayer. And this is for those particularly who have not yet given their lives to Jesus. We'll all pray the prayer, but it's for you. And uh, so it'll just be a prayer of commitment to Jesus. Okay. Would you like to say after me? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. I thank you. 
for dying for me on the cross of Calvary. Please come into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Please cleanse me in your blood. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I put my life in your hands. Live in me and help me to serve you all my days. Amen. 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 Stay standing just a moment. Could I just ask is, if there's uh, anybody that's prayed that prayer of commitment to Jesus for the first time. You've actually spoken those sorts of words for the first time. Would you like to put your hand up? I'm not going to ask you out or anything, just, just to, to see. It's very difficult to see against the lights. But if there is anybody, Lord, that has put their hand up, I just pray now that you will just come in and drive into them a sense of your presence, feed into them the fullness of your Holy Spirit, come in and dwell in their lives, fill their circumstances, let life be different for them from this moment on because they have asked you for help. So bless them, Lord. Let them no longer be a weeping tree. Let them be a worshiper. From this day on, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Amen.